0: It's an honor to be in service of an Almighty God, and uh, I hope that you can say the same. Uh, I consider it an honor. I consider it a joy uh, because it gives us hope. It gives us something to look forward to. It gives us a, an opportunity uh, to to really live life to the fullest. And um, I'm I'm grateful for you being here this morning, but I'm even more grateful for all that you've done this week to put God first place in your life, to honor him, to love him, to show him um, your, your best, to give him your best. And I think that's a, an awesome thing. I'm uh, also privileged to be the one, or I feel privileged, so I'm very grateful to be the one to bring you a little piece of God's word this morning. Um, we're, not, uh, we're not exempt from doing this on our own. We can study things on our own at home uh, during the week. This is a time when we can come and kind of just reflect on a few things and try to get God's Word more in place in our heart uh, where, where we need it and where we want it. Last week we, we started talking about prayer, and I don't know if any of you have um, thought differently about prayer this week because of what we talked about last week. Um, But hopefully there's been some changes. Hopefully there's been some things that when when you go to God in prayer, maybe there's some things that have have adjusted and and maybe changed a little bit to make uh, a difference in where you're coming from when you go to God in prayer. We discussed the myth of whether or not things really go better with prayer. And, uh, you know, I think at times times they do. But you know what? That's not an end-all. Prayer is not an end-all to... Uh, to our relationship with God. We saw how many people see God as a, as a giant Coke machine. We, we put our prayers in the slot and hit the button and hope that God just gives us what we ask for. And that's not always the case. Uh, and, and he doesn't always give us exactly what we think he should. And oftentimes we end up angry or frustrated or uh, irritated with God. To sum up last week, it's basically like this. If if we aren't willing to follow God, then really don't bother asking. Because God wants us wholeheartedly following Him and uh, chasing after the things that make Him smile, that make Him happy. We're going to build on last week with some thoughts about, about God's responses to us in prayer. And does it ever feel like God isn't, isn't listening? Does it ever feel like that He almost seems deaf? He seems like, well, He's just not there. He's just not... He's not responding to me. He's not coming through for me. Does it ever feel like that? We're gonna figure out exactly what causes God not to hear or listen to our prayers. But first I have a question for you. I have I have two guys and both are real. They're real guys. Picture them in your mind. Here next, here standing next to me. And and You are going to pretend to be God. I know it's a stretch. It's a stretch for me. It's a a real stretch for a a lot of us. But pretend that you're God for just a second. On my right is a gentleman who is extremely religious. He's got it all together. He has a, a moral excellence that is unmatched. He follows through with all of the things that he knows to be right. He's with it. He's on the ball. He's sacrificing. He's giving up his time. He's giving up his energy and effort uh, in, in service of God. On the other hand, on the left side here, is a gentleman who is a traitor. He's a cheat and a traitor to even his own people. He doesn't know God. He doesn't profess that he knows God. He's just, he just exists. If, if you were God... Which one of those two guys would you listen to? Would you listen to the one who was morally excellent? or would you listen, would you listen to the one that is a traitor and a, and a chief and a, and a traitor to his own people? Which would you listen to? My tendency is to listen to the religious one and to listen, listen to the one who has the moral excellence, right? I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. We're going to start reading in verse 9. Most people think that it would be the, the one on the right, the, the Pharisee versus the tax collector. But look at what Jesus says. Find the story with me. Luke chapter 18. We're going to start reading in verse 9. Before we read this passage, it's Let's look to God in prayer. God, we thank you for the opportunity to get today and be together. And we thank you for all those that made an effort to be here. And God, not just an effort to be here, but to serve you and love you and and show you how much we care about what you did for us, the sacrifice you made for us all week this week. God, I pray that as we we listen and we uh, look for your guidance from Scripture, that we'll be able to understand it better and uh and take something home with us and make some changes in our own prayer life and our own lives to to make us more heard by you uh, please bless us with that today pray this things in jesus name amen luke 18 starting in verse 9 says jesus told this story to some people who thought they were very good and looked down on everyone else who's he talking to you see you see who he was talking to there a Pharisee and a tax collector both went to the temple to pray. The Pharisee stood alone and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people who steal and cheat and take, take part in adultery. And even like this tax collector, I fast once a week and give, give one tithe of everything I get. Verse 13. The tax collector, standing at a distance, would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest because he was so sad. He said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, when this man went home, he was right with God, but the Pharisee was not. All who make themselves great will be made humble, but all who make themselves humble will be great. Why did God choose the tax collector over the Pharisee? Why do you think that is? Does God have a problem with moral excellence? I don't think so. I've never seen anywhere in the scripture where it says God hates moral excellence. Do, do you think that God has a problem with spiritual zeal? I mean, this Pharisee was on fire. He was he was wound up for what he thought was right. How about knowledge? How about knowledge of the scripture? Has God ever condemned that? No. How about moral excellence? No. All those seem seem to be perfectly fine in God's eyes. Why did he choose? The key here is that they looked down on others who did not have that same zeal, that same knowledge, and that same moral excellence. The Pharisee was looking down on others on the tax collector and for that matter probably all the other people around him as well put himself up on this pedestal what kind of God what kind of people does God listen to Well, one we have found out that God listens to people who walk in faith and walk in obedience and secondly we want to talk about today those who approach him in humility how we approach god is important if we come to him and think that that we're in a good spot because the others aren't as good as us we're in sin if you ever noticed that some people say well yeah I, I really just kind of struggle with pride and it's almost like saying the next person saying the same almost the same thing like well yeah it's sometimes i drive too fast they they put that that struggle with pride in the same as something very simple and silly. I understand, Matt. It's not that simple and silly that you speed. I know it's not right. <laughs> but think about it. God doesn't take pride lightly. He hates it. If you've been a Christian for a while, a year or more, it doesn't really matter how long you've been a Christian. It, we have a tendency to come up with a, a, a problem, and it's, it's almost an addiction. It, it, it just takes over our lives. We get, to, we get one little victory, a spiritual victory in our life in some area, and because of that, we look down on everyone else who doesn't get it. God doesn't care to what degree. If you're in any way thinking you are better than another believer, God hates it. I look at someone who isn't sacrificing to serve God as much as I do, and I think of myself as in a better place. I'm not talking about people in the world who don't know any better. I'm talking about other Christians. I'm talking about other people that are striving to serve God as well. I look at their generosity and how they spend their time and how they spend their money, and I think, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I consider the consequences that they're dealing with in their lives, and I think that I'm more connected with God than they are because I haven't made those same decisions, those same bad choices. Straight up, God hates it. He doesn't like it. It's detestable to him. We'll read that verse in a little while. I'm sure I'm the only one with this problem, so... So, I hope that you all can bear with me as I preach this sermon to myself. Because I'm sure all of the rest of you have this all under control. I struggle with this. I find myself thinking that I'm better than I am. I find myself comparing myself to other people. And, and in, the, in, that same, in that same thought pattern, I justify my own shortcomings, my own failures, my own sin. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 10, it says, For the Scriptures say, If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. The evil that the Lord is turning His face against is, is guys like me, who look down on others, who mess up. When they're not as dedicated as me, God hates that. And it hinders my prayer. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I'm not earnestly seeking him when I'm thinking of my own excellence. When I'm thinking of how great I am. I'm not seeking his excellence. I'm not seeking, I'm not earnestly seeking him. I'm praying along and, and God's saying, Huh? What, what, what was that? What is that you're saying? I don't know if you do this with your kids. And I don't, I don't remember. I tried to ask Carol this week who, who it was that I learned this from. And I, I know it, was, it may have been one of you here. Uh, there's times when the kids, and, and you, your kids are probably don't have this problem. But, but my kids, they forget to say please and thank you once in a while. your kids ever do that? They just come up and say, Mom, can I have that? Mom, can you give me one of those? Dad, can you, can you do that? Can I do that? But well, when they forget, oftentimes what we will do is we'll say, huh? I'm sorry, what? Well, what did you say? I didn't, I didn't hear you. Because they didn't put the please or thank you in the mix, right? Say, so, well, I'm not sure I heard what you said. And what do they typically do? They get louder, right? Dad, I want, I want some candy, Dad. Why is that? Sometimes they don't get it. Well, we can't talk about faith and we can't talk about prayer until we get rid of our spiritual arrogance. God wants to listen, but he just can't hear us. when well, We've got all this garbage inside of our hearts, inside of our minds. Instead of getting closer to God, we get farther and farther away. Raising their vo- raising our voice and and complaining and going crazy about it is not going to help God wants us to calm down chill out and realize that we need to approach him in humility God listens to those who are who approach God in humility and who are in obedience that's what he's looking for he's not looking for the spiritually arrogant you know and God God answers he does and But God answers in several different ways. Let's talk about the ways in which God answers for a second. There's times when God answers and and it's real easy to know how we should respond. For instance, when, when God answers yes. Have you ever prayed something and God said yes? Here you go. And he handed it out. What do you do? How do you respond? Yay! Praise God! That's fantastic. Right on. Excellent. Thank you, Lord. Right? It's easy to know how to respond when God says yes. The ones that are difficult It's when he says no. The other answers are more difficult. Let me throw out what I think we should respond with, how God thinks we should respond when he answers no. I think when he answers no, we should respond with, with trusting submission. I think we should respond with trusting submission. You know what, when, when my kid says, okay dad, I understand that he or she gets it. Dad knows best. Dad, can I have another piece of candy? Nope. Man, I want another piece of candy. I think we respond as adults just like that every time God says no. We get angry and we get frustrated with him. Instead, we should say, you know what? Okay, God, you're not willing to remove this pain. You're not willing to remove this problem from my life. You're not willing to take this from me. You're not willing to give me what I, what I, thought, I, I thought you wanted me to have. What do we say? Say, okay, Dad. I got it. Mark chapter 14, we see Jesus Christ in the the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is is broken. And he is hurting. He is, I call it, stressed out. He asked God, please take this cup from me. God obviously answers, not this time. Nope, ain't gonna happen. And what does Christ say? Jesus Christ says, okay, Dad, it's not what I want. It's what you want. The ultimate in trusting submission. If it's no, we need to respond with trusting submission. Can you praise God when he says no? I think we should be able to. God, you're still God, and I am not. You've still got this. You've still got this under control. That's real faith. How about when he says not yet? Sometimes God wants to bless you with what it is you want. He wants to take something away from you that, he, that you want taken away from you. But sometimes he says, well, just, just not yet. I'm not quite ready. How should we respond? We should respond with patience and persistence. We need to wait, we need to wait on God. When it's God's time, it's God's time. We also need to be persistent. In Luke chapter 18, we find a story. I'm just going to read through it real quick with you. It says, One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. This persistence piece. He says, There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, with, Who near, neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, Give me justice for this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself I don't fear God or care about people but this woman is driving me crazy I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests Then the Lord said learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you He will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? What's the definition of faith again? It's trusting God enough to do what he says. Is there going to be some found that have faith? It depends on our persistence. It depends on how we respond to when God says, Not yet. God says, Wait just a minute. Wait for a minute, we just, we're not quite there yet. It'll come, but just not yet. Those aren't easy to take. And the last one, when it just seems like he's not listening, when it just seems like he's deaf, when it just seems like he's not, not hearing me at all, how should we respond? Well, I think we should respond with a change in behavior. Judges chapter 10, we find the Israelites in a bad situation. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. They served the images of Baal and Ashtaroth and the gods of Ar- Aram, Sidon, Moab, Amnon, and Philistia. They abandoned the Lord and no longer served him at all. So the Lord burned with anger against Israel and he turned them over to the Philistines and the Ammonites who began to oppress them from that, them at that very year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the Israelites east of the Jordan River in the land of Amorites. This is now Gilead. The Ammonites also crossed to the west side of the Jordan and attacked Judah, Benjamin, and Ephraim. The Israelites were in great distress. Finally they cried out to the Lord for help, saying, We have sinned against you because you have abandoned, because we have abandoned you, our God, and have served the images of Baal. And the Lord replied, Did I not rescue you from the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the Sidonites, the Amalekites, and the Moanites? When they oppressed you, you cried out for me for help, and I rescued you. Yet you abandoned me and served other gods. So I will not rescue you anymore. Go and cry out to the gods that you have chosen. Let them rescue you in your hour of distress. But the Israelites pleaded with the Lord and said, We have sinned. Punish us as you see fit. Only rescue us today from our enemies. Then the Israelites put aside their foreign gods and served the Lord. And he was grieved by their misery. It makes me sad when my child does something wrong and ends up and has to pay the consequences. It makes me sad. It just destroys me. But you know what? There's times when we have to let that happen. Don't touch that. It's going to burn you. gonna hurt tried to warn you there's behavior issue God's not gonna listen if we're not following his way you know it seems like that there's there's some static on the line there's some static on the frequency there's some break between us and God and I want to look at a few of those things to close out today I've I've chosen five. There's ten or twelve in 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 the Bible that talk about what keeps our prayer, what keeps our voices from being heard by God. I want to talk about five of those right now. But before that, when I thought about this subject of a break between us and God, I uh, went way back. My sophomore year, I went to stay with my uncle Jr. and he lived in (laughs) Reno, Nevada. And he lived in this little house right behind Rod Raymond's old house. And um, it was a little tiny apartment. One, it had a little tiny living room, a bathroom, and a bedroom. And um, I went to stay with him for about a week. And something about JR just has always stood out to me. He, he likes to play music, and he likes to play it loud. And so when he got home from work, when we got home from work, he would go in, he would put a record <laughs> on the record player, a vinyl disc on the record player, and he would start that up and you could hear the crackling and he would crank it up to 11. Well, I know it wasn't 11, but it was really loud. And I would sit there while he went and showered in that same room, and he wanted to hear it in the shower so it was even louder, right? One of the songs that I remember very specifically hearing in that time, in that location, was this song. It's called Static on the Frequency. And um, I never really knew what it said exactly, because it was probably because it was too loud. But as I learned what the words were and, and what this was talking about, I want you to listen to the song um, right now. And I think you've got do you. Do you have that on there? Yeah. See that guy right there, man? Doesn't he just like look like the best 80s? Yeah, pretty awesome. Listen to this song. should have warned you ahead of time that you should get your phones out to record that song because pirating that song is the only way you're going to find that song. I mean, YouTube is the only way I found it. But that's quality music right there, I'm telling you. Talk about fun back in the 80s, early 90s. Pretty crazy. But anyway, it, it brings back those memories and it and It's really static. I don't know if any of you remember, most of you do, most of you are old enough. When you turn an old radio on, there was static between each of the frequencies, between each of when you were tuned in. And if you weren't tuned in just right, then there was static. And I think a lot of times there's static on the frequency when when we begin talking to God, when we start trying to have a conversation with him, there's static. He's not hearing us. He's not getting a clear message. Of what's going on. So I want us to dive into these real quick. This is Once again, this is not an exhaustive list. There's several other things, but I think these are the most common. And number one, I believe holding on to a cherished sin. Holding on to a cherished sin is going to cause static in the line. There's going to be static on the frequency when we hold on to a cherished sin. Yeah, but... Yeah, but... Don't you love it when your kids say that? Yeah, yeah but mom... Yeah, Dad. We say that often. God says, this is the way way you should live your life. And this is how you should treat your wife. And this is how you should treat your husband. And and this is how you should respond when your boss comes to you and and says this or does that. God gives us those instructions. And when we don't respond, when we don't kick sin out, when we hold on to anger, when we hold on to the stuff that, that he hates... It causes static. Have you ever known someone who has held on to a a pet sin? I think we have to be honest. There's been times in each and every one of our lives that we've cherished sin. We've held on to it longer than we should have. And we may be even to this day. We're masters at self justification. But I want to be clear about this. God's not up there looking for reasons to not answer our prayer. He's not up. That's not what he's doing. That's not what his point is. He wants to answer. He wants to bless you in your life. He wants to give you what you ask. He wants to be on your side. Have you ever prayed this way? He's like, God, God, please forgive me for for even the things that I've forgotten. God, if I can, I want to. I want to confess, but, but I may have missed one. So please forgive me for that one too. I don't think so. God, God's not that kind of a God. He's not up there trying to look for problems in your life so that He can't answer. He cares about the ones that you're holding on to. The ones that you know good and well need to be kicked out. Those are the ones that he's concerned about. Psalms chapter 66 and verse 18. The reason I chose the word cherished is because the scriptures use it. Psalm 66 and verse 18 says if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Is there static on the frequency? Maybe there's a cherished sin. Do you give safe harbor to some type of sin? Something that maybe you justify in your own head? Proverbs 28 and verse 9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to my instruction, even their prayers are detestable. Some translations say that their their prayers just won't be heard. But I love the word here, detestable. It makes God gag when we hold on to sin. I want you to look at this next passage of scripture because you may not believe it's actually there. Uh sometimes it's it's in Proverbs. Work your way towards Proverbs. Proverbs chapter one. <clears throat> I want you to find this in your own Bibles because once again I want you to see that I'm just not making this stuff up. It's it's in the word. Sometimes God doesn't seem very godlike, right? He he sometimes he seems a little strange. He's like, What? Really? God's like that? Well In this particular case, he is. Maybe God is like him. Look at it. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse 22. It says, You fools, how long will you be foolish? How long will you make fun of wisdom and hate knowledge? If only you had listened when I corrected you. I would have told you what's in my heart. I would have told you what I am thinking. I called, but you refused to listen. I held out my hand but you paid no attention. You did not follow my advice and you did not listen when I corrected you. So I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will make fun of disaster when it strikes you, when disaster comes over you like a storm, when trouble strikes you like a whirlwind, when pain and trouble overwhelm you. Then you will call on me but I will not answer. You will look for me but you will not find me. It is because you rejected knowledge and did not choose to respect the Lord. You did not accept my advice, and you rejected my correction. So you will get what you deserve. You will get what you planned for others. Fools will die because they refuse to listen. They will be destroyed because they do not care. But those who listen to me will live in safety and be at peace without fear, without injury. We talk about sin, this church, because we want to expose it. We want to bring it to light because we want to overcome it. We want to set it aside. We want to move on to what it is God wants us to move on to. Don't run through, through life and, and be angry with God, thinking that he's always mad at me for some unknown sin. It's, it's not the known ones God cares about. It's not the unknown ones God cares about. It's the known ones that he cares about. It's those ones that you know. That you need to get rid of. The sins that we're trying to hide in the corner of our lives. That dark corner that no one sees. Those are the ones God calls cherished. Those are the ones we're holding on to. Those are the ones that just don't want to let go of. Causes static on the frequency. Don't justify them for any reason. Get rid of them. Has God not listened lately? Maybe we're holding on to a cherished sin. Number two is holding grudges and refusing to forgive. Holding grudges and refusing to forgive will put static in the line. Mark 11 verse 25 says, But you are, you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Matthew 7 and verse 2 says, for the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's not wrong to struggle with forgiveness. It's not wrong to, 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 for it to take a little bit of time. That's not wrong. But when we refuse to forgive, that's when it becomes a problem. We say, well, it's just not fair that they get away with it. It's just not fair that they get away with hurting me like that. <coughs> Think about it. It's kind of what we're worried about, isn't it? When that person, when your husband, when your wife, when, when maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a co-worker, maybe it's someone from the past that has done you wrong. We want justice for them. Do you know what? We need to give judgment and justice over to God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Not asking you to forget. Not asking you to immediately trust that person again. But we are asking to forgive. God asks us to forgive. And what's crazy is that He uses that same measure on us. Refusing to forgive will put static on the frequency. Number three, failing to show compassion for the poor. Proverbs 21 and verse 13 says, Those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Think about the next time you have an opportunity to help someone. Think about those words the next time you're in a tough spot. Did you help them out? Or did you pass them by? Proverbs 29 verse 7 says, The righteous care about justice for the poor, but the wicked have no such concern. It's a very popular passage of Scripture, a a story that that Jesus tells. It's called called the Good Samaritan. You've heard the story. I think sometimes we we experience compassion overload. And it's compassion overload because of manipulation. There's all kinds of needs all over the place. And there's there's all kinds of of disasters and all kinds of really deep hurt going on in the world that, that we want to participate in. But I want us to be careful. There's things that God puts right in our path. And there's other things that marketing puts in our path. And I want us to be very careful about that because if, if I answered yes to every phone call that I got for people that needed help, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be alive today. I wouldn't be able to make it because I would have nothing. There would just be nothing. As a, as a church, as a congregation, we can't say yes to everyone who comes and asks for help financially or, or whatever it is that they need. We can't say yes to every single one. But what we do need to be careful of is the ones that God puts right in our path. There's a difference. And we need to be able to tell the difference. There's going to be some that just come by by way of marketing or come by way of scam almost. There was a lady that called me this week. And it wasn't just one phone call. It was dozens. She called me once. And she said, well, my, my car is breaking down and... It's a good car and, and I need the transmission rebuilt. And the shop is gonna do it for $1,400 and I've, I've almost got enough to pay for it. I just need a little extra help to pay for it. My name is Mary and I need your help. And what's really funny is about a year and a half ago, we got this exact same call with the exact same story my, my, my motor just blew up on my, my van. It was a van last time. We checked it out. We tried to help her. There really was a car problem, but it wasn't what it, she said it was. I said, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to help you this time. I recognize your voice. I recognize your story. We're not going to be able to help this time. Last time. We tried to buy her a car. She said, no, I don't want a car. I don't want a car that works. We have to be careful what God puts in our path. And we have to be able to discern and figure out what's going on. It's our job to determine the difference. When God puts something or someone in our path, it's got your name on it. And if it does have your name on it, you'd better step up. Because God tells us that'll put static in the line. It'll put static on the frequency between us and God if we're not helping out when it's our time to help. When you're in need, God's going to respond in the same way you responded. When you become homeless, he's going to look back and remember how you helped the homeless. When you lose your job, he's going to think back about how you helped when others lost their job. When you're hungry or in need, he's going to check the records. Did you help those who are in need? Static on the frequency, maybe we failed to show compassion for the poor. Number four, and I think this is a very important one. Failing to live by kingdom priorities. James chapter 4, we find a passage of scripture starting in verse 3. It says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. And then he goes on. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. It can be static on the frequency if we're putting ourselves first, rather than the Lord's work and his kingdom. Whatever God blesses you with, we have to ask, how am I using this to glorify God? It doesn't matter what it is. If it's a child, if it's a vehicle, if it's a house, if it's a—it doesn't matter. If it's an extra freezer full of food, it doesn't matter what it is. Am I using this to glorify God? If we fail to live with kingdom priorities, they will be static on the frequency. Matthew chapter six and verse thirty-three. It says, "And he will give you all that you need from day to day, if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary." concerned. It's important. John chapter 14, I love this passage of scripture. It says, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Isn't it funny how we at the end of our prayers we say, in Jesus' name, amen. Why do we do that? What's the point of that? I always thought it was like the send button, right? It's like I'm praying at night, getting ready to go to sleep and I accidentally fall asleep before I say in Jesus' name amen and I halfway through the night wake up and like oh man I forgot to, I forgot to send that one in Jesus' name amen is that the way it is? well I don't know you think about it the way you want but really it's, it's putting our prayers in Jesus' name in the approval of Jesus Christ and God give me a mansion God give me a Corvette I'm sorry, but I cannot say in Jesus' name, amen. That's for me. But I think we do it often on other things. We're not thinking about kingdom priorities. We're not thinking about how this is going to bless God's kingdom. We're thinking about ourselves. What's going to make me more comfortable? What's going to make me more famous? This one is one of those that if-then promise. that we, kind of, we read some of these last week. John chapter 15 and verse 7, it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. You see the if-then there? If If we're keeping God's kingdom, the Lord's church, at our highest priority, if we make Him and His work a priority in our lives, there won't be static on the frequency. And this last one failing to honor your wife. Men are you hearing me? Ladies are you hearing me? I want you to be very aware of something. I'm going to I'm going to go straight up on the guys for a second, but I want you to understand that the Holy Spirit still is alive. He's still in existence, and therefore, you as ladies do not have to be the Holy Spirit in this particular case. Do you get my drift? The Holy Spirit convicts. The Holy Spirit nags. The Holy Spirit does all those things. So ladies, you don't have to on this situation, okay? You got it? Guys, listen to me. First Peter chapter 3, and verse 7, it says, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker, and the Greek here is physically weaker. She may not be as strong as you than you are. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should. Why? Look at it. So your prayers will not be hindered. Guys, you can't figure out why the work situation is not getting ironed out. Guys, you can't figure out why, why there's a problem. You can't figure out why God's not really listening to you. Is there static on the frequency? start honoring our wives. We start living with them in an understanding way so that our prayers won't be hindered. There's another passage in in Malachi chapter 2. Guys, I want you to read this one later. It's very plain about how we are to honor our wives and we are to cherish the wives of our youth and guard them so that our prayers will not be hindered. It puts static on the frequency. We've talked about how, uh, how what kind of people God listens to. He listens to the kind that are humble and approach him in humility. We've discussed how we should respond when God answers no and not yet and when it seems like he's just not listening at all. And the five static creating fails. Holding on to a cherished sin. The ones you hope no one else finds out about. Those are the ones we need to get rid of. Holding grudges, refusing to forgive. Failing to show compassion for the poor. Failing to live. By kingdom priorities and failing to honor your wife. We need to clear up the static on the frequency. Prayer's a real deal. Prayer is something that gets us closer to God. But you know what? When there's static on the frequency, when He's having a hard time hearing us, we need to check ourselves. We need to check what's going on right around right around us. Because that's probably what the what the problem is. It's not a problem on God's part. He's still there. He's still waiting. He's still wanting to bless us. We need to tune our lives. We need to change the station a little. Tune it over just a touch. Make some adjustments in our own lives so that our prayers can be heard. God's message, it's your move. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to change about your life so that there's not static in the frequency? Thank you for your attention this morning. I hope that there's been some things that we've shared that can bless your life.